it's now. We are very close. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Europe is on its back. Now it's really impacting everything. Economic efficiencies, which means some more job opportunities. More stable investment has been preferred as a clause. Money for nothing. Good morning and welcome to Monday's Money for Nothing with me, Rinita Malhotra-Hora. Alexis Tsipras turns the tables on Europe as Greece votes no to austerity. U.S. stock index futures fall and the euro slumps to a one-week low. China intensifies its efforts to stem a $3.2 trillion market plunge. Should I stay or should I go now? Should I stay? Yeah, so the fun starts now. Greece's no vote leaves Europe's leaders to determine if the renegade nation can remain in the euro. We'll get the latest from our international economics correspondent, Barry Wood. Then we'll take a look at what the Chinese government is doing to stem losses, and that's with Parry International Trading's Gavin Parry. And our last guest today is Rikesh Mirchandani of Ocean City Capital in Mumbai. And he'll give us the latest on the India market. Alex Wong is back in the chair as guest host. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Juanita. So, Alex, the Shanghai and the Shenzhen Composite Indices both closed down about 5% last Friday, and the Shanghai Composite has tumbled 29% in the last three weeks, helping to erase $3.2 trillion of value. Now, last Monday, you said there would be trouble if stocks dropped that day. They did. You were right. What are you saying now? Oh, um, today story remains uh, similar because uh, today uh, they put out more measures. Actually, um, long term wise, I think uh, the outlook is pretty negative now. Uh, after this kind of plunge, I think the um, experiments of uh, using the stock market to boost the economy had failed already. So we are now uh, clearing up the masses and hopefully the negative impact will not be too much. But I think uh, several measures actually would be uh, long-term negative, such as uh, you, you are asking security firms uh, to use their own equity to support the market. This is uh, something which I think uh, people would not like uh, being the shareholder of those uh, security firms. And then you basically um, are shutting up um, all the bearish core from the market right now. So because uh, if you put out some um, uh, bearish calls and, and people label it as unfounded rumor, then you'll be in trouble. You probably will be detained. So I think uh, uh, analysts or, or media would be very cautious in putting out uh, bearish comments. But that means a lower transparency in the market. So that means a long term very negative. Yeah, Alex, this is a good point about, you know, the securities firms intervening. Just to make it clear for our listeners, that too, however, is state planned intervention. Yes. Oh, yes, that is. Uh, they, 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 they have, they have a meeting with uh, 21 firms and then the outcome is uh, they would uh, pull together 
of uh, 120 billion dollar uh, RMB to 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 invest in the market today, and then they promise not to sell until the Shanghai Commodities Index, uh, which uh, which is uh, uh, 4500. All right. Well, hold those thoughts. Uh, definitely plenty more to discuss with Gavin Perry once he joins us on the phone. Let's turn to the situation in Greece now. With 85% of votes uh, counted, 62% of voters backed Prime Minister Alexis Tsipras and his coalition of the radical left or Syriza by voting no to the latest proposals for sending cuts and tax increases. Uh, 38% voted yes, which is less than predicted by the opinion polls, and this is according to results from the Interior Ministry. European Parliament uh, President Martin Schulz says that Europe faces a very difficult and even dramatic time ahead unless Greece submits meaningful and constructive proposals. The Greek people said no, but 18 other members of the Eurozone agreed about the proposals to which the Greek people said no. This is democracy in Greece. And democratic uh, governments and parliaments in other countries had another view, a different view. It's now up to the Greek government to make proposals which could convince the 18 other member states of the Eurozone and the institutions in Brussels. The promise of the Minister of Finance that the banks will open tomorrow and that money will be available from tomorrow or Tuesday seems to me very difficult and dangerous. And therefore, because I believe that the Greek people will be during the week, in an even every day, more difficult uh, situation, I think we should tomorrow, and at latest on Tuesday for the Eurozone Summit, discuss about a humanitarian aid program for Greece. All right, let's bring in Barry Wood, our international economics correspondent who joins us now from Washington, D.C. Good morning, Barry. Good morning, Renita. Barry, I think the opening question for this morning is a very simple one, but uh, hmm, answers might not be so simple. What happens now? Well, no one knows is the short answer, Renita, but it certainly means that things are going to get very uncertain and very, um, shall we say, chaotic for the Greek people. I think what Martin Schultz said about the banks reopening uh, you even see these accounts from Athens that uh, the people led by Syriza might uh, storm the banks. And this puts a lot of pressure on the European Central Bank in Frankfurt because uh, Greeks will expect that emergency credit lines will be provided and cash will be available for those ATMs that have been closed for several days. But I think uh, hard times ahead, that's what I mean short term. Now, Alexis Tsipras has said that the number one priority is to stabilize the banking system and get the banks reopened. So by storming the banks, wouldn't that uh, just go counter to, you know, what he's saying? Yes, it certainly would. And this is the problem. If you call the European Central Bank terrorists, which is what the finance minister of Greece said just 24 hours before this referendum, uh, and yet you still want them to provide the cash, there's a bit of a contradiction there. Uh, the Greeks uh, want to uh, stay in the euro, but they refuse austerity. And they call the eurozone and all of the leaders of Europe uh, people who are against them. So this is a very difficult situation. It's interesting to me, Renita, and, and also Alex, that uh, Dijsselbloem, the Dutch finance minister who has the eurozone, says that the result was very regrettable for the future of Greece. Difficult measures and reforms are inevitable, and we await the 
initiative of the Greek government. Well, the Greek government is going to say, forgive the debt and give us the money. And I'm not sure that the Germans and the 18 other countries agree to that. Indeed. Now, Jessel Blom has, uh, you know, kept a bearish tone pretty much throughout the situation. With, with the horrid conditions on the ground, you know, the bank's closure, the delay in reopening, the ATMs running out of money, and uh, now, you know, perhaps this idea that Syriza might actually go and storm the banks. Is all of this going to provide enough time for politicians to get their act together? Well, you know, the Europeans don't typically move very quickly, but they are in this case, because here's the Eurozone finance ministers going to meet on Tuesday morning, and then you've got an emergency summit, again, of the European leaders on Tuesday evening. Well, that's only less than 48 hours after the result. So those are very important meetings. But let's not forget the rules, Renit, and the rules are that if you're in arrears to the International Monetary Fund, you can't get access to international credit. And if the Cyprus government says, you know, we're going to get a deal within 24 hours, that implies that the Europeans concede to the Greek demands. And I don't think that's going to happen. So I think we're going to face an impasse. But I will predict this. I think the European Central Bank will probably come up with some emergency cash to avoid chaos, to Mm. just keep things going for a few days so that they, in effect, give the politicians more time to resolve this. But clearly, the message has to be, Renita, that the Greek people have taken a step away from Europe, away from the Eurozone, and using the Euro currency. Okay, so the ECB might, uh, you know, create some emergency lending to avoid chaos. Well, maybe not avoid it uh, forever, but just for a few days. Now, you know, with this uh, summit of Euro leaders that Merkel and Hollande are calling for on July 7th, that's tomorrow, they're also including banks like J.P. Morgan. Alex, can you tell us why why the banks are being included? Well, I think uh, the banks are included because uh, this is uh, something they want to contain, uh, I think, uh, within the financial systems. So banks know the um, rules better than the politicians, I think. And uh, and also, um, large investment banks probably had a larger influence in 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 the system as well. So I think probably they they want uh, to 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 contain this thing within a small area. Barry, do you think it's a good move? Well, I think it is a good move, Renita, and I I agree with Alex. I think the banks know what's happening, and you've got a situation where it's quite volatile. And uh, let's watch what happens with the euro currency and global markets, particularly yours, which are, if not open, soon will be. And then you've got the contagion effects of what happens with financial markets in Europe and the rest of the world. So, you know, the next uh, 48 hours are going to tell us a lot about how the world is viewing this result, which, as you suggested at the top, Renita, was quite a surprise. The polls didn't say it would be this decisive. But uh, I think the uh, Greeks, in effect, have sort of jumped off the cliff and uh, into the abyss, and I don't think they know if there's going to be a soft or a hard landing. Barry, do you think that the ECB will roll out new measures to contain a contagion? You know, that remains to be seen. If there is contagion, yes. If the markets are pretty, um, well, robust or not seeing dramatic decline, I think it's almost inevitable to be some decline in equity prices, but if it's uh, thought to be manageable and uh, within limits, then I think they'll hold their guns. But we await, I think, the world awaits what the European leaders are going to conclude at that meeting 
Tuesday night in Brussels. Mm. Alex Mohamed El Aryan of Allianz said that uh, a no vote on Greece could spur a global sell-off in equities. Are you expecting mayhem in the markets oh, today? Oh, right now the the reaction is very um, calm. Actually, we are talking about only one point five percent decline in the uh, U.S. index futures uh, right now. So that is actually less than the magnitude we seen last Monday after they announced the referendum. So, so this is uh, something. Uh, te- this is uh, telling us that uh, the market actually expect uh, the impact to be contained. And uh, so, I think uh, the market is so calm that the risk actually remains. So, so if things turn turn south, I think uh, we could see further downside. So, this still make the market highly uncertain. All right. Okay. Well, Barry, thank you so much for joining us this morning. That's uh, Barry Wood, and he is our international economics correspondent who joins us every Monday from Washington, D.C. Well, closer to home, China suspended IPOs while brokerages pledged to buy shares and the state media urged investors not to panic as officials intensified efforts to stop the steepest plunge in equities since 1992. Berenberg uh, chief economist Holger Schmieding discussed his take on this with Bloomberg. Well, bubbles do burst. The regulators will have to look into this. As an economist, I'm fairly relaxed about it. The Chinese stock market is not the ultimate vehicle to finance the Chinese economy. That are the Chinese banks. If need be, the banks can make sure with government direction that there will be as much investment in China as the government wants. All right, let's bring in our next guest for this morning, uh, Gavin Parry of Parry International Trading. Good morning, Gavin. Morning. Gavin, uh, 28 companies have halted their IPOs. Now, we talked about the possibility of this happening last week on Money for Nothing, last Friday, in fact. And our contributors said that, hands down, halting IPOs would not be the right thing to do. What do you think? Well, you've got to realize that the companies also look at the market environment. So uh, I saw that news as well on the weekend. In actual fact, the CSRC spokesman uh, came out and said that they won't suspend IPO approvals. And what's really happening is that market environment is dictating, and so the companies themselves are effectively pulling their horns in and uh, and uh, and just delaying their own IPOs, which is basically what um, what these guys really want in relation to locking up the liquidity in, in the market themselves. Alex, what do you think? Well, I think uh, this is a move which would have some help, but not too much, I think, because, um, as I've said, I think other measures actually have long-term negative impact. But this one, I think, is uh, neutral and having only a a short-term impact only. Uh, Gavin, you know, as uh, Alex suggested earlier, the Securities Association of China has said that a group of 21 brokerages led by CIDIC will invest at least 120 billion yuan in a stock market fund. Uh, That is, executives from 25 mutual funds uh, vowed to buy shares and hold them for at least a year. Do you think this is a good idea? Well, we've already seen, uh, you know, some of the state-owned investment companies under the CIC come out and say that, um, you know, they've been buying ETFs in Shanghai. I think it was about 10 billion renminbi last week was um, Hujian Investment came out and said that. I mean, we're, we're already seeing the, the press, the global press this morning, talk about a Benaki put for, uh, for Shanghai. Now, whether um, this is a, a buffer vehicle or not, if that's a sentiment that goes and plays out there, well, then that's obviously going to be a stabilising aspect for the market. Um, you've got to also realise this is not something that is um, uh, extraordinary because here in Hong Kong ourselves, I mean, as I said, I've been here since 2000, um, we've got our own uh, tracker fund, which was very much a similar vehicle of stabilising the Hang Seng. 
Now, in a situation like this, which is also state-planned intervention, uh, do fund managers, you know, from any of these 21 brokerages or, or whoever, have the right to say, well, no, we don't want to do that? Well, <laughs> I mean, it comes down to the environment and, and very much, obviously, for China, it's a political environment. So um, just as with the you know, uh, open market operations that the PBOC in the money markets. I mean, you have member banks that participate, but they are <clears throat> basically directed to um, to put in their bids. So it's um, it's very much a centrally planned and directed um, system. Alex, your thoughts? Oh, of course, they could not, I think. This is a policy-driven uh, uh, business. So I think uh, they could not say no, right? and then they put in the money. But I think they probably would, uh, would play safe and put in blue chips and, and ETF only. But, uh, Gavin, these kinds of interventions will take time, will they not? And investors aren't exactly a patient breed. No, correct. But uh, markets are obviously very much about sentiment. Um, so, I mean, one of, one of the main aspects here that we believe is that it's you know, ultimately it's about driving um, uh, balance sheet and household net wealth uh, effect because, I mean, ultimately the whole policy directive is to basically um, build domestic demand, um, which plays into the urbanisation policy. So... You know, the the, the the asset classes available still to the mainland investor is still quite limited. Um, so basically, the, the the household wealth effect uh, from stock market um, impact on the on the balance sheet of basically it, it really comes down to the propensity of skewing um, savings to to consumption, and that's really I think what what underpins this whole aspect of basically um, underpinning consumption so that the GDP targets can be met. Uh, and that basically, you know, we can continue to have uh, a stable growth in the, in the mainland. Mm. With prices falling faster than margin traders have been able to cut positions, uh, would you say that Chinese stocks are more leveraged than ever? Oh, definitely. And the figures have been showing that as well. Um, I mean, you know, pre, pre, you know, the CNBCs and so forth covering the mainland, which was post, you know, 2006 and 2007, you know, I mean, that, that kind of rally and, and pullback um, was very much a uh, more broad-based kind of macro situation of obviously instigating price freezes because of a runaway inflation. Um, but leveraging and margin finance wasn't a huge amount uh, of the participation. This time it is. And in even the comments we're seeing from um, mainland press is basically that you know, the money that's going to be made available to the broken community um, via the, the Securities Association and so forth it will be to help bolster uh, purchases, so we, we can only assume that that's actually going to help in relation to expanding or, or allowing access to more margin financing. But the fact uh, that you know uh, Chinese stocks are more leveraged than ever would that not undermine the government's measures to control losses? Well, yes and no, because obviously it's a multi- multiplying effect of, uh, both ways. Um, but but obviously, if the sentiment again, which really dr- is, is the underpinning aspect for most equity markets, is that there is a banaki put in inverted commas out there. Well, then, you know, people will read that there's a flaw here or there's a support mechanism in place and they'll be m- more inclined to, to take the, the, the risk of increasing their leverage and, and hopefully, you know, purchase more. I mean, one thing that's worth really pointing out is a lot of these measures that came out last week, while indirectly they're, they're supporting for the market, a lot of them were also very much focused. So, you know, the government's having issues in relation to its, its, um, its, its the, the credit markets where you're having a lot of corporate paper and provincial paper that's basically soaking up some of the Ministry of Finance. So they, they actually missed some of their issuances last week. So um, whether it's in the money markets for the short-term rates or, or, or other areas, a lot of these are, are indirectly supportive of the market, but they're, but they're also uh, specifically targeted. 
All right. Gavin, thank you so much for joining us this morning. That's Gavin Parry, and he is the Managing Director at Parry International Trading. Let's take a quick look at the numbers now. The Nikkei is down 1.58% this morning to 20,216. Australia's ASX 200 index is down four-tenths of a percent to 5,504. And Seoul's Kospi also down 1.26% to 2,077. In currencies, one euro is currently valued at 1.1 US dollars. The US dollar is trading at 122.49 yen and one pound sterling buys you 12 Hong Kong dollars and six cents. The Yijin Diploma Program is now open for enrollment. It's comparable to level two standard in the Hong Kong Diploma of Secondary Education Examination in five subjects, including Chinese language and English language. The Yijin Diploma is also a qualifications framework level three program. Surf the website www.yjd.edu.hk for details and apply online on or before July 16th. You can also visit the Information Day on July 11th at the Education Bureau, Kowloon Tong Education Services Center. The time is now 8.23 a.m. and India is set to emerge as the world's fastest growing economy by 2015 ahead of China, as per a recent report by the World Bank. In China, the high investment rate in proportion to its GDP is arguably unsustainable. China has disproportionately disproportionately leveraged itself close to 250 times of its GDP to fund its expansion. But India has been dealing with policy paralysis since the past decade and also since the Modi government has taken office since 2014. Let's bring in fund management Ocean Ocean City Capital's founder Rikesh Mirchandani, who joins us from Mumbai. Good morning, Rikesh. Good morning, Grenita. Rikesh, when it comes to equities, what do fund managers prefer, China or India? So, um, I heard you just discussing uh, equities on Chinese markets, and uh, there's a clear bubble that's been built up over the years. Uh, You know, seeing the kind of correction in the last quarter itself on Chinese markets, uh, close to 25%, uh, there's been a lot of speculation and leveraging in these markets. However, in India, uh, if you've noticed since the financial crash in 2008-9, markets have been fairly subdued. Uh, it's only last year when the Modi government came to power where you saw mar- markets uh, typically run up um, because of high sentiment and, and high optimism in, the, uh, in people's minds. Today, uh, you know, Indian markets are close to 20 times their B multiple uh, vis-a-vis, you know, Chinese markets which are trading anywhere between 70 times to 140 times on the Chinex uh, indices. So there's a clear, uh, you know, investments in India are here to stay by foreign investors. I think they keep, uh, although we're slightly overweight on the MSCI index, but uh, that's a small blimp on the entire um, investment uh, plan on the Indian markets by foreign investors. So what would you say then, Rikesh, are the concerns well, for the Indian market? Yeah, for the Indian market, so, and specifically for foreign investors, so, investors from here. Okay, so we are, we are on a growth trajectory, all right? Um, we've been on it since the last uh, one year. However, because, uh, you know, most of the gains that we made on oil uh, have been more utilized to prune our fiscal deficit than pass it on to the consumer, 
But um, yeah, so you would see growth at a slower pace than anticipated. Although we are our trajectory is between seven and a half to eight percent, which is one of the best uh, in the world. But I think the best. Growth pick up. Sorry. I, I think the best according to the World Bank, right? It's the best. Yes, yes, and and you'd see growth trajectory pick up in the third and fourth quarters, which will reflect in the corporate earnings in India. But uh, the concern areas also um, would be the monsoons. I mean, you know, everyone has been predicting an El Nino effect. It's been since the past two years that we've been hearing this news. Um, you know, if that were to happen, I think the government has also planned out uh, uh, their import strategy of cereals and pulses to keep inflation tamed. Uh, since it's been quite a Herculean task to bring the rate down from double digits to you know close to five percent on CPI. Um, but however, um, uh, we see very few interest rate cuts right now. Uh, I think the RBI has given a clear signal that uh, you know interest rates would be stable from here on. At the most, you'd see 50 basis points from here. But uh, concerns on uh, global uh, factors such as Greece's exit last uh, this morning and uh, U.S. increasing interest rates also remain on the markets. Mm. Okay. But otherwise, I mean. You've seen foreign reserves touch, uh, you know, all-time highs of 350 billion US dollars. Now, Rakesh, you know, the question is, as you said earlier, if uh, if foreign investment in India is here to stay, how do individual investors in markets like Hong Kong? get in on the india story i mean we can go to hsbc and we can ask about you know you know funds which have indian equities is there another better way to do it is the indian government doing anything about opening up access yes they're working on it they're working on a, a consolidated kyc not only for indian investors but for global investors too um the best way to get in for a foreign national would be through offshore india dedicated funds or etfs uh for indi for the local nri population living globally the best way is to come down uh, and invest personally in the indian markets keeping in mind that there is a currency risk but if you take 3 4% off on your earnings every year uh, as a hedge to the currency i think you'll you'll be clear of that all right rakesh really quick before we close the segment any suggestions on your favorite uh, uh fund that foreigners can look at to invest in india Uh, I'll speak about equity sectors. I, I, I'm very bullish on auto ancillaries, on pharmaceuticals, and on uh, non-banking financial companies, including some private sector banks. All right, Rakesh. Thanks so much. That's what we need to be looking out for. Uh, that's Rakesh Mirchandani, and he is the founder of Ocean City Capital Advisors. Let's take a quick look at the numbers this morning. The Nikkei is down 1.17 percent to 20,298. Australia's ASX 200 all. Also down 1.56 percent to 5,442, and Sol's Kospi down 0.94 percent this morning to 2,084. Gold currently stands at 1,171 dollars, and Brent crude oil at 59 dollars and 63 cents. So, uh, Alex, parting thoughts for this morning? Oh, today is just like last Monday. Uh, we need to see the market stabilize. So. Uh, Today is actually more critical because uh, you can say that China has put up uh, everything they could uh, in the market already. So if it fails again, then then the market will be in disaster. But I think uh, uh, in they they was China will stabilize this time, but they are giving up uh, long term upside potential. So uh, that means the market. The China market likely to trade within a wide range with huge volatility, but not 
much upside in the long term. Now. All right. Thank you, Alex. Alex Wong is the Director of Asset Management at Ample Capital and our regular contributor to uh, Money for Nothing every Monday as guest host. And I'm Renita Malhotra-Hora, wrapping up for this morning's edition. A quick look at the weather forecast today. We'll have sunny intervals and a few showers. The temperature right now is 29 degrees Celsius and the relative humidity is 72%. Time for the news with Samantha Butler. Greek voters have overwhelmingly rejected the terms of a bailout deal offered by international lenders. More than 60% of voters have said no, a far bigger margin than opinion polls had predicted. Eurozone leaders will hold a summit tomorrow to discuss the situation. The president of the European Parliament, Martin Schulz, said it was up to Greece to come up with solutions. I hope that the Greek government will make in the next coming hours meaningful and constructive proposals allowing that it is possible to renegotiate. If not, we are entering in a very difficult and even dramatic time. The Greek government says it wants to begin talks with the international lenders immediately to try to negotiate a new agreement. The Greek finance minister Yanis Varoufakis says his government will go with a positive attitude. With this no, we will try to cooperate with our partners and we will invite them one by one to see if we can find some common ground and we will try to be positive.